This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A, a, a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. Touchdown, Giants! From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one Giant Giants step. Welcome into One Giant Step. It's Sean Morash, Paul Dettino. Remember, we are free, 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 free. Who doesn't love free? The Giants could use a few players for free at this point. Free on the Odyssey app and anywhere. Podcasts are downloadable. Check us out there. Click that download. Subscribe button. Ding, ling, 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 ling. You will get it there every time we drop a pod this offseason. I am Sean Morash. He's Paul Dettino. Wall-to-wall free agency coverage here. Paul, how are you? Doing very well, Sean, although I'm having trouble keeping up with Joe Shane because he is as busy as a beaver these days. Every time I see him, he's got his cell phone glued to his ear, and I guess we now know why. Be busy as a beaver. I like that, Paul. Very much busy like a beaver. Okay, so for those wondering, we'll be honest with you. We are taping this at around 5 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday, March 14th. So if by the time you've downloaded and subscribed to this and you listen to the Giants have shocked us with something else internally or otherwise, just know that this is what we have covered because free agency is changing ever so. But the Giants have now made not one but two big moves, and it's time to break them down. First, Darren Waller, Pro Bowl tight end, Las Vegas Raiders, a pass-catching threat, a guy had, you know, basically was Derek Carr's favorite little blankie until they got Devontae Adams, a guy who has been banged up somewhat over the last two years, specifically this year with injuries mounting a bit. But the Giants end up trading that third-round pick that they got in the Kadarius-Tony trade. So when everybody worried about, oh, can you believe they just dumped Tony off for nothing? Now think of the Kadarius-Tony trade as complete. They essentially get a fifth-round pick and Darren Waller for for Kadarius Tony. So we kept looking and kept thinking, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Let's see what the Giants do there. They do, though, get a weapon, and a weapon is a weapon. And this is uh, you know a team now with Daniel Bellinger still emerging as a tight end that has the ability to run a couple tight end sets. Darren Waller provides, you know, kind of that when he's healthy, unguardableness, let's call it, from that tight end position, one of the elite tight ends in the game. Paul, hard not to get excited on the on the return here, giving up a third round pick for Darren Waller and a weapon that that Daniel Jones hopefully can use greatly. 
Yeah, so they really do a good job of using the bulk of the uh, the take on the Tony deal to turn around and get a two-time 1,000-yard receiver who has been to the Pro Bowl, who has had a 100-yard catch season before, has also had a 90-yard catch season before. Now, to be fair, the last two years, he has been hampered by hamstrings. Yes. There's no question about that. And so that is, let's not kid ourselves, that's the reason why they got him for a third-round choice. It's pick number 100 in the draft coming up in April. You don't get this caliber of a player for that draft pick unless there comes with some risk with it. So that's the the, yeah. the leap of faith that the Giants are taking. But we're talking about a guy in Waller. Let me make something clear. You talk about a 6'6 guy at 255 pounds who has length, who has terrific hands, who runs terrific routes. He is a matchup nightmare. You either have to double him, bracket him, or put a corner on him because he's that dangerous. Even with yak yardage, he can do so much to hurt somebody in the passing game. Now, I think the important thing to remember, for me at least, Sean, is that this past season, he averaged just under 14 yards per catch, which was his career high. For his career, all right, he's averaged only 12 yards a catch. Right. So that indicates he has not slowed down. His production no. in the games that he played was still very dangerous. And I think that's what the Giants are counting on. You know their medics had to check off on this deal. So they've got a lot of confidence that he can be a major weapon. My question to you, as we talked about in our last podcast, when you asked me, what thousand-yard receiver, what alpha receiver are they going to get? And I said, well, hold on, wait a minute. Maybe Kafka's thinking elsewhere. Maybe he's thinking tight end. Maybe he's thinking more use of the running back in the passing game. They may have just acquired their 1,000-yard receiver as a tight end because Kafka knows how Kansas City used Kelsey, and we know that Waller is a big-time slot, big-time jumbo slot threat, and the Giants just got themselves a big one. And, Paul, that is why I trust this move also because you brought up Travis Kelsey. Now, clearly, he's a little bit of a cut below a Kelsey and a George Kittle, but he's right there in the next level as far as Pro Bowl caliber, you know, tight ends. You mentioned the 1,000-yard yeah. years when healthy. And I've seen now those two teams that are pretty damn successful, the Chiefs and Niners in recent years, use those guys amongst their other weapons, which the Giants are probably not done adding via draft. And we'll see Wondell Robinson hopefully healthy. But this is a really good starting point. And by the way, we were all enamored as Giant fans. I hate to take us back to the horror show that was Evan Ingram, but this is everything the appeal of Evan Ingram drafting him in the first round was, was this kind of receiver, one that really, or this kind of tight end, the one that could really stretch the field a little bit and wasn't just a simple dump-off guy. So Bellinger's a really good two-way tight end. I think he's still going to emerge here. I don't think this necessarily lessens his role at all, but we've seen the Patriots in past years. I mean, I hate to mention the name Aaron Hernandez, but the Gronkowski-Aaron Hernandez year, you know, they were really creative in using those two tight end sets. The Giants used them this year. Now just picture every route run by Lawrence Cager, who may be on this team, Tanner Hudson, uh, Nick Vanette at the end of the year. Now picture Darren Waller taking those snaps, and you tell me if the offense is going to be much better. And you mentioned Mike Kafka, Brian Dable being the offensive-minded head coach. Look, this is not just some kind of cookie-cutter offensive philosophy. These are two really good minds. I mean, Kafka almost became a head coach this offseason. They will be creative. They will be ultra-creative in the way they use Darren Waller, and that's another reason to trust a move like this. Obviously, you can't control health. If he gets banged up, that'll suck. 
But you mentioned the third round pick. You know, the Pat and the Raiders, the report came out right after this trade, were offered a second round pick at the deadline for Darren Waller from the Green Bay Packers. And they balked at it. They blinked at it. They wouldn't say yes. So they had, you know, thought about keeping Waller. Also, there's a report out of the Athletic, uh, Paul, that Waller had just recently got married to a yes. member of the Las Vegas Aces and that it was Josh McDaniels that leaked the wedding date when they hadn't even publicly announced they were being married and that seemed to be a little bit of a falling out. So for those wondering, you know, yes, the injuries mount, but how could go for cheap? It felt like there was a fractured relationship now with Waller and McDaniels there. So, look, any way you spin this. The Giants need weapons. They need guys that score touchdowns that aren't named Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley themselves. Darren Waller does that. Could the Giants have gone above and beyond and traded a second or a first-round pick for a guy like Cortland Sutton? Sure, I guess they could have. But they went with more of the proven commodity at lesser a price. And it is hard to argue that maneuverability, especially when you think of they had two third-round picks and they didn't give up their higher priority of the third-round pick as well. Think about third-round picks. Would you have rather had uh, Lorenzo Carter again or would you rather have Darren Waller here? Not to rain on third-round picks, but, you know, Josh Azudu was an emerging guy last year, but he got banged up. Would you rather another Josh Azudu? would you rather Darren Waller think about the value the Giants just got for that second third round pick three other angles to complete this story number one Waller is only an 11 million dollar base hit against the cap this year which puts him right on the fringe of the top 10 highest paid tight ends in the league by the yeah. way right in the neighborhood with Evan Ingram and Mike Kosicki there you go <laughs> just thought I'd throw that out there because certainly I think that's good value for him in terms of production per dollar if he's able to give them a healthy season. I think the other part of the business angle that people must understand is that the Giants, with this deal, are acquiring a player who just had his contract done last September by the Raiders, knowing that, you know what, future-wise, because of his injuries, he was going to be a risk factor. So the contract that they're absorbing is cuttable at the end of this season with no dead money against the salary cap. So if for some reason Waller has a poor season or suffers another recurrence of his hamstrings and it doesn't work out, the Giants can let him go at the end of the season and it's not going to cost them a penny on their cap moving forward. They will get out scot-free. That's a beautiful back end to this deal. It really lessens their risk because it's not going to hurt them down the road. I think the other two things to keep in mind, I'm going to give you a total of four now. I know I'm, I'm being a little Keep bit it rolling, Paul. Keep it rolling. Let's go. How about the fact that Dable has been a tight ends coach in the past, and oh. when he was in New England, he knew how well they used Gronkowski and Hernandez together. How about that? So so he knows. Oh, he was there in a le- Okay, good point. Good point. He was right? there. You, you know. You know what he can do. With, with two tight ends and what he's thinking about, about that deal. Here's the other thing. I'm liking this to going back to shortly after Super Bowl 35, a couple years in. Giants had Jeremy Shockey and Dan Campbell. They have not had a dual tight end of that ilk since Shockey and Campbell. I'm looking at Waller. As a Shockey type, remember, Shockey never actually had a thousand yard season with the Giants. We all thought of him in those in those right. terms. Game a little different, a, but yes. He was a Pro Bowl receiving threat and was a big part of the passing game and a matchup nightmare. Well, and he also played a lot of big slot, lined up out there a lot. Right. So right. Waller becomes the Shockey, and now Bellinger 
becomes the Dan Campbell. Uh, I, I, I was having flashbacks the second I heard of this trade. I'm saying, oh, my God, it's Shockey Campbell all over again. So there are a lot of angles to this prism as I digest it. And uh, how can you not like the trade if you're the Giants? It does, of course, eat up uh, another chunk of their cap space. And I don't think any more of their moves going forward are going to be more than, than off the bargain shelf because they're kind of running out of room. They're going to have to deal with low-priced veterans, and they're going to have to make use of those draft picks. But you'll also recall, Sean, we talked about this. The Giants were never going to use all 11 of their picks this year because all 11 were not going to make this team. Right. They were, they were in a position where they should have traded draft capital to get some quality on the field, and they just did that. A perfect way of putting it, Paul. And by the way, I have a little higher hopes for Bellinger than Dan Campbell. I think Dan Campbell had a nice career, but I think I really am still high on Bellinger. And Waller, by the way, can only help mature him. You know, think of it the same way a veteran quarterback can help a young quarterback as well. I think that Waller will help Bellinger in the past game. He's still a very young, promising player. Paul, you mentioned the that part about it, right, with Campbell and Shockey. Let me just say this, too. And this is a message to the rest of the NFC East. Right? Ooh, Daniel Jones, can't believe the Giants paid him. Oh, let's all celebrate. We're Cowboy and Eagle fans. The Giants are stupid. Ooh. I have watched year in and year out, Paul, Dalton Schultz, Jason Witten, uh, you know, you pick Ertz, uh, Goddard, all of these tight ends in the NFC East that just run for miles, it feels like, on the Giants' defense the last decade. And, you know, since the shocky days, we had the one-year and I bid as well. You know, we whiffed on Evan Ingram, have basically had also rans, you know, junkyard dog-type tight ends. It is our time now. It is our time to let the rest of the NFC East know what it's like to have a tight end drag you up and down a field for 60 minutes, and the Giants are about to do that, Paul. The script is about to be freaking flipped on these teams, and I can't wait for Waller to be catching passes all over that Dallas defense and the Eagle defense, and then they could all cry into their little towels in the stadium and go, oh, can you believe Daniel Jones actually complete passes? Paul, that's what I'm salivating at because I'm tired of tight ends wrecking our day. It's time for tight ends to wreck their day. Let's not kid ourselves, Sean. Waller is a headache player. And the Giants now have Barkley and Waller. They finally have two headache players on their offense for the first time in years. That's a big, big deal. Okay, let's transition to the defensive side of the ball, Paul. Uh, And look, if you had to say, and we've talked about this, what are the Giants' biggest needs in the offseason? One viable weapon for Daniel Jones. Okay, Darren Waller's there. We still need receiving help. We'll look towards the draft now for that. Two, can the team get a linebacker that can stop the run and stay on the field for three downs? They do that. And I thought the handle on the first day of free agency or the first day of the tampering period, but it's really the first day of free agency, was so damn perfectly played by by Joe Shane as they add former Colts inside linebacker. And let's all get this right because I know my father is going to missay this for 17 games next year. Bobby Okarake. Okarake. Like Karake. Okay? Uh, My dad's going to stumble. I know my dad. You know, he's going to stumble and bumble over that name forever. But they add him. What do you got, Paul? What do you got? I can help him. I can help him. What do you got? The Colts simply call him Bobby O. Bobby O. Bobby O works for us. Bobby (laughs) Okarake. Now, for those wondering, Bobby Okarake went five picks ahead of O'Shane Zimenez and one pick ahead of, uh, geez, was it Dalton Schultz? 
No, it was uh, Dawson Knox, the Bills tight end. So he was in that mm-hmm. range in that draft, the famous Daniel Jones, Dexter Lawrence draft in the third round. You know, he played next to Shaq Leonard. And then when Shaq Leonard got hurt this year, uh, you know, he slid over to that Mike linebacker role. And you could just look at the film. Geez, you don't even have to look back at the rest of the games he played. He was awesome at tackling machine. Look at the giant game versus the Colts. Every time you saw the Colts actually make a play on defense, guess who it was? It was Bobby. Career high, 17 tackles in that game. He was like the one guy hustling all over. He had that that hit that could have been dirty on Daniel Jones. Actually, two of them as Daniel Jones was slotting and he went out of bounds. But now you look back and you realize the guy's hustling and caring. Um, Paul, we talked about the Giants' lack of tight end. I hate to get nostalgia here, but we just played that card at the tight end room. This feels very reminiscent. I'm going to throw a couple names at you. Mike Barrow, Antonio Pierce, Michael Boley, when the Giants, because the Giants, we know they haven't done well drafting linebackers. When they've been on the cusp of having a really good roster and doing big things, I just brought you three names of guys who were on teams that went to Super Bowls. They add really strong run-stopping linebackers, but more than run-stopping linebackers, depending on the era that those guys played in, they did a lot of different things. This reeks of that exact kind of move. 26 years old, again, sideline to sideline speed, a guy who could play three downs. You talk about that run, you know, the runs on the second level when Tay Crowder's getting run over. Uh, Okarake is the kind of guy that, you know, he's, he's regarded as one of the better up-and-coming inside linebackers in the NFL. This is like the prototypical need for this giant defense and Wink Martindale. Yeah, I, I like what you said about Michael Barrow because he was a bit of an undersized inside linebacker, but he was so smart. He hit, he had range, uh, was certainly a guy who, in combination with Jesse Armstead, helped the Giants get to Super Bowl 35. Bowley, of course, was an outside guy. Now, now Bobby O has played weak side, and he's right. played middle linebacker. The Colts liked his versatility so much because, remember, he came out of Stanford. Such a smart, instinctive player that, the folks out there thought he could also play strong side linebacker if necessary, but they never needed him over there. Right. But they loved his versatility. And what does Wink Martindale love? Versatility. Should not be surprising why he went after a guy like this. Now, I never thought the Giants could go for him because I thought he was going to be a little too pricey. Quite frankly, you know, you, you talk about the true main enemies of the world. I, I thought that would clear a K with yeah. the Colts. They'd either bring him back or he would get too much money and the Giants would not be in the market to get him. But this also shows you how important it was to get Daniel Jones's deal done because that allowed them the flexibility in the cap room to go after a Bobby O, to go after a Darren Waller in a trade. This is why Joe Shane had to get that first domino to fall. Now let's talk about Bobby O for a minute. Okay. All right, 150 tackles last year. That's a lot of production. The guy's got range. You mentioned he's a three-down backer, although at times last year the Colts did take him off in big passing situations. But what he does the best, he has 34-plus-inch arms, which is incredibly long for a linebacker, all right? He does a really good job. If you watch the tape, he does a great job of slithering through traffic to find seams and gaps, and then like a magnet gets to the football. Too many guys get caught in the traffic and get blocked out by that on that second level by tight ends and by offensive linemen. That's not what Bobby O does. He finds ways to weave through to get an open lane to the ball carrier. That's what makes him so effective. All right? Now, on top of that, we talk about his durability. All right? He had five games this year with 10-plus tackles. He was reliable. 
He played through a broken thumb in 2020. A game against Jacksonville comes to mind. When you talk about smart, tough, and dependable, he's in a game last year against Jacksonville, and he breaks his pinky. Now, Sean, I know you haven't eaten yet because it's not yet 6 o'clock as we tape this, and I'm glad you haven't <laughs> because he broke his pinky and the bone popped through the skin. Ah. Ah. They brought him to the ah. sideline. They oh, looked at him. Oh. I know. They brought him to the sideline and said, this is bad. They called up to the press box and said he's questionable to return with a finger injury. They brought him into the locker room. The Colts people have told me they popped the bone back into the skin. They oh. then sewed the skin together over the broken bone. Then they wrapped it up. And he went out and finished the game and didn't miss any time. Unbelievable. Yeah, now, I mean, I, I would be out of this podcast for a month and a half if my bone went through my skin. There's no doubt about it. So, let you know, you want to talk about a character guy, a guy who's tough as nails, a guy who's going to give everything he's got for his team. I think this guy fits Joe Shane's requirements very nicely. Yeah, and let's see what the Giants do on the back end, but you know, Wink Martindale, too, is the other part of this. We mentioned coaching when it comes to Waller and obviously the Kafka-Dable system, but Wink Martindale has the dogs up front, right? And we're going to get to, obviously, a defensive tackle signing for depth in a second, but when you consider Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, the two edges, if they stay healthy, Aziz and Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, you know, Dorian McKinney still at least on that back end. They needed a guy at that second level, and they have one. I am drooling at the possibilities and the potential of this defense. I know it's not complete. I know we need to see what they do and, you know, who the other cornerback is going to be. But all the foundation pieces are starting to be there for this team when you look at them week in and week out to have a real shutdown-type defense. I'm not talking about the greatest defense of all time or the best defense in football, Paul, but they are starting. When you have studs at every level, that is how you make yourself a top-10 defense in the NFL. That is absolutely 100% correct. Every coordinator will tell you if we can get one guy at each of the three levels who we know we can count on to make big plays, we'll finish out the rest of it from there. But give me one, one, and one. Well, I think you could say the Giants are doing a pretty good job at making that happen. All right, and now a little cleanup, if you will, on some of what else the Giants have done here because clearly I think, Paul, you and I both agree Waller and Okarake will be their big moves salary cap-wise, and we'll see what they do to create some more room. And the wide receiver question might be answered in the draft, first or second round. Uh, we'll, we'll see what they do there. But let's start off with you know another signing they made that personally I was in love with, and that is Raheem Nunez-Roches, Nacho, they call him, defensive tackle. Um, you know, he had the long hair. I loved him because every time I watched a buck game, you know, specifically the Ram game this year, it just felt like he was a disruptor. If, if you like watching defensive line play, he's a disruptor. And he's another guy that, that plays a whole heck of a lot high motor. He's not Dexter Lawrence or Leonard Williams, but Joe Shane said that those guys workload and it was true. They had just played so damn much that they needed really an athlete at that position to fit in the rotation with all due right. respect to jelly, Justin Ellis, um, you know, and uh, Davidson, who they drafted later, I'm sure will be on the team. They need another athlete there to really, you know, figure things out. Nick Williams was on the team last year. And this is another one of those guys who was like Jihad Ward. He's a real character in the locker room, everybody says yep. as well. Um, yep. And you look at the going rate for defensive tackles. I mean, that market is exploding for price. This, I hate to use this word, but as much as I love Waller and I love Okarake, for the price point and the need the Giants had here, 
this really feels like the perfect signing for this giant team is Raheem Nunez Roches, Paul. It really does. Well, there are a couple of reasons why it's such a good fit. All right, let's talk about how much he's loved in the locker room. Back in 2020, when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl, Vita Vea got hurt early in that season and was out for the better part of a dozen games. All right. Who do you think stepped in for him? It was yeah. Nacho. Yeah. And he got the job done. And Shot that's 10 where he games became, last year. Yeah. That's where he became a fan favorite in Tampa. He's had three years of his of his seven years in the league or eight years in the league. I'm sorry, because he had three years in Kansas City and then five years in Tampa. Three of those years, he had at least 10 starts, but he is a rotational player. He's never been a full-time player. Regardless of how many starts he's had, he has been a rotational player who plays about 50% or so of the snaps. So for the Giants, this makes perfect sense because you know what? You don't go and buy a limousine if all you need is a small compact to get up to the supermarket and get some groceries. A little Prius. Okay? So really, there you go. So so they bought they bought a rotational defensive tackle who's a great teammate, has a great attitude, comes off a season where he had a career-high 33 stops for a team that has been a playoff team. All right, he's been a winner before. So what is there not to like? Um, I, I, I think the Giants between uh, Bobby O and Nacho they have done themselves a really nice service in the interior of their defense that will uh, definitely hold up much better against the run this year. No doubt about it. And, Paul, some of the other things that we need to hit on, obviously the Giants go all in on bringing back their special teams. Threesome there, Casey Kreider back. Look, when you don't hear a long snapper making mistakes, that means he's a good long snapper. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I don't love Jamie Gillen as a punter. I thought last year left a lot to be desired, but it wasn't exactly like there was a rich market of replacements for punter out there. They do bring him back. And, you know, for a veterans minimum, Sterling Shepard is coming back to this team in the wide receiver room. It's a team that needs bodies at wide receiver. Now, look, I'm not going to crush it because it's a veteran's minimum. I personally, I'm just, look, I'm scarred. I don't know how much Shepard has left in the tank. These injuries have mounted. And I don't like the idea of maybe an insurance to your starting receivers being a guy who's also always hurt. But right. again, he's another good locker room guy, high character guy. It's hard not to root for Sterling Shepard. I just hope that when all is said and done come opening day, that Sterling Shepard isn't counted out as the number one wide receiver on this team, Paul. No, no, I, I think he's more or less a depth guy. And the bottom line is, Sean, it's really a flyer on a guy who the organization really appreciates and likes a whole lot and figures, what, what, is, what is the risk, really? I mean, they're going to go out and they'll probably draft a wide receiver. I still think they could take one in the second round. Right. Um, but, but having said that, if Sterling Shepard's healthy enough to make the team and is one of, let's say, six receivers on the 53, there's nothing wrong with that, especially because you signed him at a very low-risk, low-cost contract. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So, again, Wondell Robinson hurt. hurt. Um, look, hopefully he comes back and he's ready for opening day. Uh, I believe, by the way, the Cowboys just got Stephon Gilmore. I could be wrong on that. So, look, teams are jockeying here to cover receivers in this division. The Giants are going to still need to add that as well. And uh, James Bradbury, by the way, returning to the Eagles on a three-year deal worth $38 million. So now here we go. The answer back. Mm -hmm. the, the teams in our division answering with defensive backs. The Giants get Darren Waller. 
and an NFC East day to remember, Paul. So look, we have plenty more <laughs> offseason moves to come. I'm sure we'll get some bargain moves as well. Uh, and we will be back if and when stuff like that happens, the Saquon drama, all of that. In the meantime, Paul, where can we get you for the latest Giant news? Uh, at Giants WFAN. And I don't want to cheat uh, Matt Davis, uh, Matt, uh, Matt Breida, yep. Jared Davis, or Wyatt Davis, who also re-signed with the Giants. Because although these are depth signings and didn't cost the team a whole lot, it's those kinds of signings and players that helped the Giants make the playoffs this past season. No doubt about it. And I'm sure there'll be plenty more as well. You could follow me at CBS. It's M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. We always thank you to our producer, James, as well. Hey, look, again, download, subscribe. Maybe you're just getting this popping up in your timeline for the first time. Just hit that subscribe button. It's one giant step. Me and Paul have you covered every single week on the latest New York Giant news rumblings. Uh, you know, Paul will talk about Beavers as well, apparently. Not Darian either. Uh, and... <laughs> And anyway, although Darry, by the way, Darry Beaver's gonna probably benefit from the Okarake as well. Uh, we will have all of that covered as well. Just hit download, subscribe, and thank you to everybody as always for taking one giant step with us.